0: Hi, good morning, and welcome to the next episode of Supply Chain Next. This is actually episode number 16, and super excited to have Suchi Ramesh on here, CEO and founder of uh, Suchi.com, the next generation uh, Suchi grid. Um, so welcome this morning, Suchi. Thank
1: you. Excited yeah. to be here.
0: Oh, well thanks so much for taking the time and just, you know, really looking forward to it and and now, as you and I were talking before this, i um, uh, really excited to get your perspective because you are uh, our first interview as a real practitioner that is changing the world of supply chain uh, through the creation of your company Suchi, Suchi Grid or Suchi.com. Um, and uh, you know, really excited to hear about the story of you know, how you got into it and you know, what got you to where you are at Suchi and just a ton of stuff to kind of go through. So we'd love to start with sort of an opening question to just you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and in kind of your career and journey and how you got started uh, and, and what got you into supply chain.
1: Yeah, so, uh, and again, thank you, excited as well. And I, I don't think there's a lot of great quality podcasts and supply chain supply chain platforms. So this is uh, this is great, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm a software engineer with a, an MBA in software uh, and a pretty nerdy past also an immigrant so I uh, came into this country uh, really with my first couple of jobs um, and I've always been in the predictive data analytics field Or I was I spent about 10 years there before starting CG Inc. Uh, So first job was in Intel big corporate I was in the supply chain analytics division spent about almost four years there and I'm really glad I left when I did because if I hadn't I could have spent the next 40 years there it was really comfortable. (laughs) and uh, and then from there, I went went on to join back-to-back, two different venture-backed uh, startups in the predictive data analytics space. And uh, they were both backed by pretty big names, General Atlantic, Sequoia, Tamisek, and uh, really heady growth rates. So I had a front row seat to what it took to scale fast-growth B2B product companies uh, in, the, in that niche space of predictive analytics, uh, but also fast-growth cultures. So very formative and influencing my worldview and um I suppose I always had this itch to do my own thing and was very lucky to have that experience at these companies. Uh, it kind of trained my mind and um end up uh, and I had a I had a lot of um I was very lucky to see processes that it took to because it's ideas are one thing. But what are the processes that allow you to scale? so i'm uh, st- thinking about suchi inc and starting the company there were a couple of guiding hypotheses um, i'd seen supply chains from a different lens through the data lens and uh, starting my own thing and having been with these companies i knew that it had to be something that whatever i attacked had to be a large market or a large opportunity supply chains are very interesting um if you look across industries no matter what industry you look at whether it's uh, I don't know, the making of products or um, or even services, um, all industries need supply chains. And all supply chains are broken in many ways. Uh, challenges are more similar than dissimilar. And we saw a couple of uh, common themes across the challenges across supply chains. One is the, uh, the value of goods and services flowing across supply chains, across industries was massive. It all tra- you have many, each supply chain is a multi-trillion dollar market. Uh, digital, uh, The digital landscape was broken. We saw that companies were at one or two ends of a continuum, either working off Excel sheets and Google uh, Docs, or at the other end working off clunky, complex ERPs and PLMs. So there, there was a disconnected digital landscape, which had impact on the physical flow of goods. Um, and so that impacted speed to market, um, higher cost of goods sold, lack of efficiency, Uh, so we wanted to set out to build a uh, a system or a a a platform that could really help solve for these challenges in a next-gen way meaning an intuitive front-end interface Um, i think that all b2b systems of the future uh, will recognize and build for this trend which is consumerization of b2b software so the ui ux is a very critical component of realizing our vision of a simple system Uh, but the other part of it was democratizing access so how do we in order for us to solve for the disconnectedness we had to uh, we had to combat that by empowering access and democratizing participation Um, so hence we also had to build something that could uh, allow easy entry for skill sets across the world so that was the guiding principle and that's what set us out to big and and that's those were the hypotheses and we started switching four and a half years ago
0: well, and awesome. So let me, let me, there's just so much in that there. So where are you from originally? India. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and, um, you know, in, in that transition and kind of coming over and getting started, cause you kind of go into it, but did you think as, as a budding software engineer moving to the U S that you were ever going to be in supply chain and then, you know, what kind of, as you think about what you just kind of went through. How did you fall into supply chain because it sounds like you didn't kind of start with that intent but you know there's a common theme i've found with a lot of people i've talked to especially in the in the current crop of people that are doing innovation supply chain they're not always historically 20 year supply chain vets they're they're people who've come from outside of the supply chain looking at it and started to bring some of their technology acumen to the space for a lot of the reasons you talked about because it's so big and Underserved and just you know has not adopted uh, technology in the same way other elements of the enterprises have. So again, back to you, how did you find your path into supply chain? Sounds like the first job kind of brought you there, but you know you could have gone a million directions. You could have gone into AI. You could have gone into blockchain. You know what 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 made you start kind of getting and going? Oh my God, supply chain is the thing I want to go focus on.
1: Well, a couple of things. Some of it was organic. Um, you know, you always look in retrospect at how. Uh, the pattern that's led you somewhere. So I did have uh, academic and work experience that uh, that gave me some experience in supply chain. Um, I After I finished my MBA, I stayed on connected with a couple of business schools in my spare time with guest lecture in Asia. Um, and I took, uh, I took guest classes in supply chain for a couple of different business schools. And then of course my first job with Intel was in the supply chain analytics division. And then through my jobs at the companies after the two startups, uh, we, uh, in collecting data to build these predictive models um, or or serving customers through the products, the analytics products, we were ingesting a lot of supply chain data. Uh, Of course, there was other data too, sales data, et cetera, but there was a lot of working with supply chain data and providing these models and, and consulting on top of it. Uh, Ultimately, I think why it was supply chain was uh, what I said earlier is for me, the itch to start something, a big part of starting something, uh, my excitement was directly proportional to the size of the opportunity and the size of the market. And I think supply chains are very interesting for that one reason beyond others. It's just that it's excruciating and the uh, execution risk of solving for uh, supply chain challenges is massive, right? But where you have a high execution risk, you have a large opportunity uh, because it's it's if you have a higher execution risk of solving for something, that probably is why you you know the supply chains have operated the same way for so long is because solving for something that massive and that excruciating in its complexity is not easy. So it kind of all intuitively adds up. But if you are able to get past some of that with some guiding principles in the design philosophy of the software, you then open yourself up to a very, very large market, right? And um, and when you have such a large market, you can really enter with uh, a couple of um, you know, you, you can enter with some philosophies on pricing and on disruption so that you can enter with one niche you know, area and then expand from there. But I think really for me, ultimately, why supply chain was just the size of the market and the size of the opportunity.
0: Which makes sense, right? And I think that's, a, that's one of the things that I know personally I've found uh, sounds the same for you that you know, this is the biggest economic sector to not be digitized, you know, when we think about the internet and all the buying and selling that we do and the consumer side of the equation. Right. Um, and we're so far advanced in their consumer life our, our consumer supply chain, but the enterprises are still 20 years behind us. They're just beginning to digitize. And it, like you said earlier, each vertical represents trillions of dollars of economic activity. So it is, it is a massive. So, so let me, let me kind of extend on that question then. And in thinking about supply chain, which is big, you know, big market, um, you know, uh, large, we'll call it complicated, but, but, but you know, our goals are to simplify it. What, what were some of the main things you saw within the supply chain? You kind of talked about them earlier about the, just the disconnect of systems and data, but like, you know, let's drill into that for a second. What did you really see as the main core, like top two or three problems that supply chains were facing? And then how did that line up against the technology you started designing to address those problems?
1: i think one was um a lack of connectedness across the different tech stack tech investments across the stack
0: uh-huh.
1: or maybe what you would say the lack of a platform if you look at other industries um you know if you look outside a supply chain you know progress has been a little more advanced so now you know the average company has about 40 to 60 subscriptions. And so the the single source of truth and the platform play has become almost common for other industries, but not for supply chain. So mm-hmm. there was a disconnectedness, uh, meaning you had, in some cases, you had many different systems, right? If you went into an enterprise company, all these different systems, but they're not really communicating with one another. They're built to be products. They're not built to be communicating tools or a platform mindset was absent um and then of course some parts of the supply chain were still analog right so all of that comes under that first uh um, observation which is the disconnectedness the second uh i'd say was um a snooty snooty access and to okay. do with the lack of empathy in uh in designing for front end and, and that to us is a fairly big challenge that most people don't um look at meaning If you have systems across the supply chain, most most times the purchase of um, systems in a lot of these companies are still top-down. Versus other industries, you have this bottoms-up-led purchase of software that's happening with sales and marketing software. But with supply chain, purchase decisions are still top-down. In usage, beyond the economic buyer, the usage is also fairly top-down. You have some select group of users that use these systems. So 95% of supply chain participants, there's a lot of people that interact across the supply chain. They're automatically booted out. And that's not just because of how purchase decisions are made. It's also how these systems are designed. Uh, They're not designed with this empathy first approach to to build a front end uh, for employees, for factory workers, right? And that's going back to the consumerization of software that we spoke about. So I'd say those are two. And then then I'd say the final is uh, ease of access, not just with respect to user interface, but also with respect to... Price point, right? Um, a lot of like large scale ERP's, the big supply chains run into the millions of dollars, and uh, and I think uh, disruption. If you look at the real core definition of disruption, I think there's there is opportunity for disruption also in terms of price point. Yep. So these were some of the themes.
0: Yeah, no, I, and I think those are you articulated them very well. So that then kind of you know leads right into so let's talk about Suchi and the kind of creation of that. You came out of this kind of you know. Uh, opportunities from big company like intel kind of got into the supply chain got into a couple startups and then then you launched suchi so it's a supply chain platform let's talk about that what you know let's talk about suchi where it fits how does it fit into the supply chain continuum the industries that it's focused on like you know what made you focus on to create suchi itself right not only as a technology platform but then the markets that you're addressing and talk about the kind of the company the formation what you're focused on and how you got into and I'll, I'll preface this a little bit, but you know, sort of the retail kind of fashiony, you know, clothing, you know, versus say, you know, uh, uh, industrial or something like that.
1: Yeah. So we began with one. We had to start with one industry. Uh, we didn't really yeah. start off by saying we will only be one industry, but we had to start somewhere. So we weren't diluting our focus in terms of building the, informing the product roadmap. So we began with fashion in fact we began even within fashion within the product we began with one module and uh, that was that was a marketplace so our first module and our first offering to market was a marketplace which is the curated network of factories and then brands and retailers would come to us to connect into that network of factory um in, into that network of factories to create products for um for their brand and hence as a function of having access to uh, this flex capacity, they also had something like a Domino's tracker to track everything, uh, the factory profile, the placing of the order, the tracking of the order, what stage it was at. So it really began with those first principles there. And then from there on, we added more modules uh, based on customer feedback. Uh, Then there's customers that fell in love with the software, which is what we'd hoped, and they wanted just the software without necessarily accessing the marketplace. So over time, we added six more modules. So now we have seven modules, and six of those seven now have nothing to do with the marketplace. The marketplace is still only for fashion and some medical products. Um, and over time, the one of the um, horizontal teams of the product roadmap was just the ease of configurability and the DIY. And we wanted it to be very DIY and allowing the end user to be able to configure the system for their workflows in their industry. So today, we're beyond. We're we're not just serving fashion. We're serving other industries direct to consumer was a very natural progression and we're now in industrial industries as well uh, so we want to be very deliberate about how we do that uh, you know we always uh, take a step forward into a new area where we find some common theme or some commonality with what we've done in the past and then we double down and we expand once we see some early bites uh, but we be- yeah so that's how we began but now we're we're also setting we're also doubling down on a bunch of industries outside of fashion
0: Which makes sense. And and I think it goes back to what you were describing earlier, which is the common supply chain challenge across all supply chains across all verticals. Is the lack of a a platform or system that can address that and b trying to address the major problem of just disconnected systems right disconnected data and poor data, you know, itself across all these industries, but they all commonly fulfill the main functions of supply chain, which is to buy, manage and sell you know, assets, let's say. And, and that then runs through not only the design of what you're bringing into retail fashion, but then extends into these other verticals, right? So, you know, and this is I'm, I'm, where this is leading to is some of the lessons learned from yourself and people building into the space that other supply chain people really wanna hear about is how do I begin the technology adoption evolution journey, right? Because I hear this a lot, right? Which is from supply chain, people, people who are the, the users of your platform, right? Where do I even begin, right? And it sounds like kind of that marketplace tended to be sort of that landing spot, but then you, you know, begin to expand into the full supply chain and what it does from you know, uh, uh, managing assets, you know, forecasting for the purchasing, I mean, all the other things that we know supply chains do but you kind of had to start somewhere. So what I'm getting to is, you know, can you comment a little bit, like if you were to take yourself out of the role of, of, of head of Suchi, right? And you were just a McKinsey consultant advising a large enterprise on a technology roadmap kind of tactical plan, how would you break down, they begin to look at adopting technology solutions to address their supply chain? Because I think there's, there's a theme that's starting to emerge here, right? As you pick apart the pieces, because you can't do it all at once. Right. It's got to kind of start with one, two, three, and that will get you. So what, what, what is that, you know, what have you learned in that sense?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. Now, if I had to switch and if I were a McKinsey consultant consulting with a fast growing company and, and, or an enterprise company, I would say, when you look at a new provider and, or when you're looking at optimizing your own software suite, right. Um, you got to do both simultaneously. Cause I think a lot of companies suffer from software shock. Um, They have a lot of legacy systems and there's a lot of money they're spending and tame in managing the beast uh, Because the impact from these legacy systems is low and then the cost to maintain them is really high So I think the rationalization of software has to be done in tandem with What should I be looking at and who should I be looking at as a new purchase? but with respect to that second part of the uh, um, Equation is how do I choose a new vendor? I would recommend objectively look at vendors that are that are building to be platforms and are building to be product suites Um, and and these are two different things right and they could be a company could be a platform and a product suite um, but they're both important and they're both important and and they're both different as well meaning a lot of supply chain systems are built to be products uh, where they are fairly siloed in their architecture and their vision of interoperability and um, not really having ready-made SDKs and APIs, which should really be table stakes today, right? Yeah. And then the other part of it is, I think the reality is supply chains are so massive. And so, you know, even if you are, look at a platform as a superset and then the products within that. So even if you have your open API and SDK and you start off with some set of products like we have, um, at some point, you recognize that there is some lay- layering and intricacy to answering the different challenges across the different departments of the supply chain. So if you also start building a product suite within your vision of a platform, I think it, you become a lot more valuable to the customer down the road. Now, that that's easier said than done. These are not overnight. You right. can't execute against these overnight. But if to answer your question on what makes a vendor valuable to a customer and hence how should a customer be choosing a provider? I think that they should give more marks to somebody that is building to be a product suite and built to be a platform.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. That's, that's a great answer. let me, let me, let me also kind of uh, take a look at, cause you're, 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 you're well into this and, and, and a common theme again, I think is platforms versus products, right? And this is, this is also kind of a transformative thing that's happening currently especially in the enterprise space, that you you see a lot of legacy companies, SAP, Oracle, trying to transition from being products or enterprise software to more hosted platform-type plays. And I'm sure you and I both have our own thoughts on how that's going for them versus the people like ourselves that are starting as platform companies to start and kind of addressing this from the get-go. So the question I'm going to ask here is, you know, what's your observations? And it's, it's a bit of a, a, a self-serving question here, but when you look at the embedded existing systems and how they are, you know, not serving their current client base, SAP and Oracle and whatever, you know, how do you see um, kind of their migration going on? How does that add to some of the confusion that goes on when you're dealing with new customers and kind of, hey, do you want to try something new, like a platform like Suchi? You know, how, do you, how do you see the companies that are the embedded ones, the incumbents, the SAPs, oracles? How do you see them in their transition? That's question one. You know, is that going well or not going well? And then two, how is it that someone like as a upstart like yourself can get in and, you know, in essence, displace these companies, right? Because they're, they're just not serving the needs of the customers the same way you are coming at it from a platform view, a, you know, a platform-centric view um that they're you know they're obviously adopting you versus you know some of these other you know larger companies does that make sense
1: yeah yeah it does yeah. it does and it's a it's a good question so if you look at an sap oracle the re, the uh the reality and the advantage for them is they're deeply entrenched in a lot of companies so yeah. it almost becomes if you look at if you speak we speak with a lot of executives across these big companies right almost all of them have these gripes and complaints with these big systems but it's like a marriage and I, and I say that very respectfully is that once you've invested all that, right, it's that you want to stay there. And then you, you have to look at how do I work around it is because they put so much money into it, um, already. And a lot of them, and and, you know, look, we're not judging a lot of executives. Now, should the executives be looking at it that way? Should they be looking at some costs as a reason for not moving forward? I disagree with that, but Mm -hmm. the reality is a lot of them look at it that way. Right. Um, having said that, I think a lot a lot of innovators though um, are also starting to realize that if they have a choice with respect to how they would build the future of the tech landscape, they probably don't need something as as clunky and complex and as expensive as an SAP or an Oracle or a Microsoft Dynamics, and the ones that are liberated uh, enough with respect to making those decisions and not are not encumbered by existing you know, so existing purchases are starting to think of it that way. Do I really need to make that big purchase um, or can I wait for a period of time and try something else before I make this big purchase, right? And then from the standpoint of these big companies, I, it, they are it, there is they, it's it's an oligopoly. It's an auto monopoly. The way you look at it, SAP really is a monopoly in many ways. Uh, but I do believe that over a period of time, uh, there is going to be a shelf life for that dominance and primarily because they're, they're not inherently built to be platforms um and then even if there is new leadership i think it's sometimes very difficult to change the internal organ structure where you've become such a big company right so i just don't think that's going to happen tomorrow i think the dominance will continue so then to your second part of the question about how do upstarts like us get in there you have to find the formula for disruption right i don't think the answer is competing head on with one of those large players it's about how do you position yourself with a uh, you know with that entry point in a way that is complementary um and in a way that can where you can have a direct conversation with the visionaries and the pioneers at the right side of the chasm Right. You know, going back to, you know, Jeffrey Moore's uh, analogy of the chasm, right? So it's a combination of making sure the positioning is very well thought through mm-hmm. and that you are targeting the right people within the right organizations.
0: Right, right. And and and, and great, 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 great synopsis there. Let me let me kind of shift a little bit in your observations through this. So I mean, those are great tactical kind of what's working, what's not working, compare the old against the new. Um, let me shift it on the other side of this. As you've gotten into this, because now, you know, I mean, whether you intended this or not, you're one of the thought leaders in the space of technology innovation in the area of supply chain. And that is a hot, hot, hot segment right now, not only for investment, but all the reasons that we've been going through. So a different view would be to ask, what's been the biggest surprises that have you've had like along this journey? What have you seen over the last three four five six seven years as you've got into building Suchi, if you've got into kind of this enterprise supply chain like what what have you been just like oh my god I can't believe that this is you know you know what I'll leave it open because I've got my own I, I've been shocked by a number of things as I've sort of gotten into it where I've been sh- you know shocked at how big the market is you know how underserved it is. but from your point of view what have, what have, what has been the most surprising about enterprise supply chain as you've gotten into it
1: i I'd say so so many things I'm sure you you'd empathize with this too so we we could probably have a hundred different <laughs> shocks or surprises. I probably will uh, look at the positive ones is uh, the hunger and the appetite for change is a lot more widespread than I would have anticipated right so there is yeah. still this evangel- evangelizing that you need to do yeah. uh but it's not as much uh pulling teeth and as not as as tiresome as I'd imagine that it would be I just came in or we came in as a team anticipating a lot of change management conversations and a lot of um convincing and coaxing and that still ha- is there but I think there's a lot of an inter there's also equal parts internal revolution reckoning and the realization that change has to happen from inside these organizations and, and do you think that's are,
0: sorry? Just to double double click on that. Do you think that's a mm-hmm. new thing? Let me ask you because contrast that to say ten years ago, right? What's you know what what? Why is the appetite here now versus you know five years ago or ten years ago, where it's the same people but the appetite is much stronger right now?
1: Yeah, a couple of things. What well, I'd say one big trend is this um, is this burgeoning flood of fast growing dtc companies that are online i mean they're dominating the growth rate in these different industries right mm-hmm. and uh, they are just bringing uh, in a new wave of thinking mm-hmm. so when you talk about enterprise your who is enterprise today is very different so it's not just that monolithic big old fashioned company that has had that has been around 30 40 years you know today enterprise is that eight year old company that started in a garage and has had the supersonic growth rate right and they're mainly online and uh, and so that company thinks very differently so there's that one part of it is that Uh, the other side of it i just i'd say some of it is what's happening in the world around us i think there's all this noise and and a lot of that is well you know well placed is people are worried and scared and paranoia and fear drives sometimes good change and then finally, even the bigger companies are bringing in new um, leadership. Um, I really like when we talk to companies where they broaden leadership from different industries that have a new viewpoint. Or you know, we see a lot of these companies where the heads of supply chains have been brought in from tech companies right. or from really different companies. And those are very interesting conversations and good for those companies, right? So those, I think, those are some of the reasons.
0: Yep, and you, 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 Maybe you knew or you guessed, but that is a perfect segue because you're just highlighting into the next part of this questioning, which you know, what's the DNA of the new supply chain professional, right? I I would contend that you are, you know, also a great example of a new supply chain style professional. You know, you you don't have the typical supply chain resume um, that a lot of people have, but then you also kind of in your last answer started kind of intimating that there's some new people, even in supply chain leadership. So what does that new supply chain professional look like? And that's another big theme right now in the supply chain space, which is we can't be doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So we've got to start to think different. And quite frankly, that requires that we actually start pulling from different areas of of the business and the world and the spectrum. Um, So observationally, what are you seeing as kind of what the new supply chain professionals look like?
1: you know of the future well so that is uh the answer would probably be common which is who's a good leader right in in any organization and i think that a company that recognizes that supply chain is important will bring in a next-gen leader so and and so we see that the 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 kind of professional or a leaders that is going to take their companies forward number one has the growth mindset so he or she is very eager and um and very hungry to want to understand what's out there in terms of new softwares wants to innovate is willing to take a little bit of risk and that means the company has empowered them to take a little bit of risk Mm -hmm. they recognize that data is a new oil um, and so technology is a very key part of their success and their company's success Um, and then they want to make cultural changes right so they're definitely looking at software as a way to culturally change the landscape of their company and bring more people to participate have different people have a seat at the table so it's i suppose no different from what a, what a good leader should look like otherwise for the other department it's just that i think what is cha- what is changing also is you never see you never really saw in the past a CSO, chief supply chain officer or a head of supply chain being very core and um, important to the success of the company and that's changing too right the more you push these leaders to the forefront and the company recognizes that these are important positions then the quality and the caliber of the leaders hired for these positions also start to very um start to ele- get elevated
0: so that, that 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 great great answer i think the same thing right i mean we're seeing um You know, one of the common themes we had, uh, a gentleman, a big uh, supply chain recruiter, Radu uh, Palmaru, out of Singapore, um, one of the top global kind of supply chain uh, headhunters, and he was talking about the very same things that you're talking about, that, you know, new supply chain DNA um, extends the supply chain practitioners to be more full business people. And then they also have to have sort of the technology first innovation mindset coming into it, and that's that's also happening. um So so right right in line with everything you're saying, that's that's great. Let me let me let me now shift a little bit because I want to kind of get also get into you also. Not only do you represent you know just new wave of thinking, new platform, new technology, but there's also the sector of just innovation and startups in the area of supply chain, right? Like if you go into now there's all these segments right um we did a spot a couple episodes ago on on investing in supply chain right and it's becoming the new hot hot thing for investors both VCs and private equity i'm sure you're seeing the same thing as we're seeing but let's talk to the budding people out there that are thinking about doing innovation and in startups in the area of supply chain right i mean you you are exactly that you 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 came into it you started a startup you created a now a successful and growing company that's a platform you know what are you seeing? What advice would you give to people? Because there's a, there is a unlimited. I mean, it's almost like a green field across the entire spectrum of the supply chain. There's so much innovation that's going to be happening. I don't even know all the places it's going to be, but I know there's going to be a lot of startups that are going to be following in the footsteps of Sushi, right? That want to get into this massive segment and they start learning more about it becomes more popular. How you I mean? Talk about your experiences and just founding a company, and getting it going, and then. You know, how would you kind of advise people who are, you know, would take take your cue and they want to do a startup in the area of supply chain? Like, what 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 advice do you give them and just get it going? And that could be, you know,
1: yeah. yeah I don't know about whether any of this advice would be any different just because it's supply chain. Um, I okay. mean, I, I I accept that. Hey, it's one of the reasons we got in is it's a large market, right? So right. I would just say to anybody getting into it depends on what your priorities are as a founding team are you looking mm-hmm. to have something be a lifestyle business or are you looking for it to be a home run mm-hmm. if it's the second and you want to scale it higher the scale ambitions higher the risk but if you wanted to look at that then you want to look at large markets if you want to look at large markets supply chain is massive and right. it's also really to your point it's a wide space not many people have uh have really gotten into it and and having said that, I will say that there's a ton of competition and crowd in the downstream, the logistics part. Uh, there's been a, a huge sea of startups, I think, in the last five years, you know, with trucking and freight and, and all the downstream parts. And I think there's VCs like Dynamo, for example, that really focus on that part. But there's a lot of untouched areas further upstream. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, we spoke about supply chains being massive. And so I think some of the untouched parts, hence, end up being, you know, with a higher with a higher execution risk, right? We, or downstream is almost, um, I'd say, there's a lot of vendors you can connect. Uh, there's a little more um, sophistication there, also. Um, but there's also a lot of opportunity upstream. So if someone wanted to get into supply chain, I'd say look a little deeper. Look at the parts that are not as crowded. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get into that. And having said that, I'd say, again, the same thing. It's so massive that it's about finding that entry point with one industry and one, uh, one, one product. And then, of course, you then look to expand from there, right? You don't need to start or you shouldn't even look to start big with respect to the product or the or the footprint at the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so let me parlay that into sort of the investment um, uh, folks, right? And thinking about the investors that you've dealt with. So that's another, there's the innovators who we're speaking to now that may want to start this stuff. But then there's also the investment crowd, right? I mean, that's an, also an interesting place to go play. And you already touched on it. Logistics was, has been hot for a while, but the idea of supply chain isn't as necessarily top of mind with investors. I think it's changing. But, you know, from your vantage point in going through and having to raise money and talk to investors, and I can only imagine the battle scars you have from that, <laughs> right? Because we all do. I mean, just observationally, like what, what, what do you think the investment crowd is seeing today? You know, what are they missing, if they're missing anything? And then kind of what's the forecast for investment in the space? I think logistics is tracked and we see that growing you know, year over year big. But as a category, supply chain is still not really properly defined from an investment point of view. So the question starts with experience with investors and just, you know, how, have you, how has it been, you know, talking about supply chain? Because I imagine it was a bit challenging but then you found them and what have you learned for future investors? Because I'm sure you're talking to all sorts of investors that you may or may not even be working with and kind of, you know, what are you observing in their questions and insights and enthusiasm around the space?
1: There's definitely a lot more enthusiasm, education, and interest. I mean, I just base it off the inbound inquiries we get. And I don't know if this that has to do with the fact that we're now a little more, uh, you know, we're not in our first couple of years. So I don't know the inbound interest is more because we've, we're now in our fifth year or because just because there's more interest I think it's a little bit of both I think there's more dollars to be spent in supply chain in general Uh, I do think the onus is still on the founding team or the leadership team in terms of educating and evangelizing a little bit Uh, when you are an investor right it's finding that right balance of timing but also investing in companies that are early but not too early right because if you're the first then you bear the cross uh, to, you know, you, you're you bearing the cross and the burden to really educate. And uh, that's the funny thing about seeking investment is if you're the first, you almost are penalized. But if you're early enough, then you have some success stories or some examples to talk about. And I think we're in that place, which is good. Anybody coming in now, mm-hmm. there's enough success stories to talk about. But at the end of the day, it's also by unit economics. And that's going back to the onus that the executive team, the founder, founder team bears, is how can you show and talk to a story buttressed by clear metrics mm-hmm. and how do you present the path to scalability and and, and how sound are your unit economics uh, because with the supply chain no matter what you do there is a little whether it's upstream or downstream there is that execution risk involved right mm-hmm. um and so being able to talk to the metrics and showing how that could that could scale, and that's with any any opportunity. So at the end of the day, that's what the investors are looking for: is how could you how could you support with sound metrics and talk about a sound scalability plan. Yep,
0: and and another piece to that puzzle to add in on the investment crown. That's a great great gate review of that. Is also kind of the another topic that is you know part of supply chain is um, circularity and sustainability. Right, and you know that's a hot topic onto itself outside of supply chain, but you know it's inexorably tied to the global supply chain. <laughs> when we talk about circularity and sustainability, how do you see that circularity and sustainability kind of weaving into some of the supply chain plays that 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 you're doing or you're observing on the space? Right, is it sort of inherent in you know properly managing the supply chain? I mean, what 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 are your thoughts and even talking to those points because those are also hot topics for a lot of investors and.
1: You know, yeah. it's, it,
0: you don't want to be. You don't want to just create a soundbite that's meaningless. You know, there there yes. there is there's a real thing to sustainability and circularity that makes sense for supply chain. But I'm curious to to your observations on that.
1: I I do get asked this question a lot, and you're right. You know, we want to be as practitioners, when we get asked that question, we want to be very careful and not just. It is a. It, these are words that get thrown around a lot. Lot right. and um, you know, having said that, I think our viewpoint on that is we empower uh brands and retailers and vendors to be able to demonstrate what their identity is and and what their viewpoint is so far as sustainability and circularity meaning by digitally connecting all the participants across the supply chain you're allowing them to have a digital identity and a digital profile so there's more transparency on hey is this vendor or factory compliant um, you know, because some factors in terms of sustainability and compliance are binary, right? Either it's a zero-one game. Um, you either are compliant with labor laws or not. There's no middle ground. You either employ, uh, pay right or not. There's no middle ground. Um, and then there's some variables that are filter criteria, right? So um, oh, what is my what is my water usage quotient? What is my carbon footprint for quotient? So you stand somewhere in the continuum and those are, filter criteria. So when you have a digital profile or you empower vendors to have a digital profile, uh, they have a better chance of proving to the world that they're doing the right thing. And so that's how we're empowering all these participants and the vendors. And uh, we allow brands that bring on their suppliers to have a better system to audit and track, uh, you know, compliance and sustainability and it this is it's very expensive to track compliance and sustainability when you have to have feet on the ground it's actually one of the most expensive exercises uh, but by digitally tracking you're reducing the cost of trust right so that's one way uh, we help that uh, the the other way of course is um, is is just better visibility and by connecting everybody you have a better speed to market speed to market is shown to be directly proportional to reducing wastage um, and um, and so there's a there's I think our um, viewpoint on that is how do we use data as a force to be able to allow brands to have a better identity on what sustainability means to them, what circularity means to them. So for example, um, some a lot of our first um, set of customers were all in fashion. Everybody realizes they need to be seen as sustainable and that they're promoting circularity and reuse and remake. But that could mean many different things, right? What is your definition of that? And in order for you to be able to define to your consumers how you are sustainable, how you are endorsing circularity, you have to be able to quantify that. And so once you digitally connect everybody, once you, are, you have the power of data, you then can quantify your identity and publish that to the outside world.
0: Makes sense. So transparency is a, also a key thing around these supply chains. And you know, once things are transparent, and there's data, you know, decisions become a lot easier, you know, versus this opaque kind of unknown world. (laughs) Right. Uh, And, 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 and again, just like as practitioners and certainly even the supply chain circles, I think even the supply chain persona as, as, you know, as contrasted against sales and marketing, it's a really practical plain speaking group of people. Right. I mean, so buzzwords don't fly very well. I mean, how does this really make sense? You know, how does circularity, help me achieve better business profitability versus just doing it, you know, for fun and because I, you know, can check a box or something like that? How does it actually, you know, interweave itself into our actual strategy of innovating our supply chain so it becomes fundamental to success for the business, which let's be honest, is profitability first, you know, and then stewards of the environment is a nice bonus, right? And you should be talking about that, no question about it. But you know, I think there's something in there in what you just said in creating transparency, you weed out a lot of cost through that transparency you observe areas with which to do more with less you know thereby increasing margins you know through transparency and data so i mean those are those are really key key observations really that that's awesome so let's let's kind of you know kind of winding down here a little bit, but looking forward like you know, we've talked a lot about kind of where you've come from, you know, how you've gotten into Suchi. We've talked about the DNA of people coming uh, into supply chain. We've talked about kind of practitioners and, you know, investors and where they're going. Let's, let's you know, no, no good interview uh, uh, is without some prognostications. You know, what do you, what do you see over the next three, four, five years? What are the big themes? Not only, and it could be for you, it could be for Suchi, it could be for supply chain and digitization. Like, what do, you, what do you see? What are the big things you see coming?
1: That's exciting. And I think about that. That's a very, that's the exciting bit of what we do. Um, We spoke a little bit about that, which is, uh, I I think there'll be a lot of uh, platformization of the supply chain space, meaning you're going to see whether companies like it or not, you know, coming together of uh, um, tools and systems where there's a homogenized access and having one version of what's going on across the supply chain. So complete end to end transparency. And that can only happen with the, the platformization, if, if that is a word we should create that.
0: Oh, there, there is, there absolutely is actually, <laughs> uh, uh, Jeff Parker and, uh, Peter, I forget his name right now, they wrote, um, platform revolution and they've got a whole consultancy that's all about platform platformization. In fact, I even think they call it that word. Um, you know, but the, absolutely. So, 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 yeah, absolutely. That could agree more. Number one platforms. Yep.
1: Yeah. I'd say the two other things is, uh, the consumerization of the front end, meaning, Uh, and and supply chain is the worst when it comes to that. Interfaces are shitty. So the other thing that'll happen is you're gonna have a revolution in terms of the consumerization of B2B software in Mm -hmm. that we expect to have the same beauty and classiness and aesthetic fitness on the B2B front ends that we use at work as we, we, with respect, and and have it similar to to the apps we use at home. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're gonna see a big revolution in terms of the importance of UI UX. And I'd say finally, it's a realization of the fact that data is the new world. Data is going to take a front seat, right? So, supply chain jobs are really going to become data jobs. Yep. Um, and uh, analytics is going to take a front and center space. You know, speaking of Gardner, I think they just have a, a market uh, research paper now on supply chain analytics players. And that's going mm-hmm. to become huge as well. So, I think these are some of the things we're starting to see take root, you know, take root and looking forward to seeing each of these become big and, uh, and they'll all start to converge as well.
0: Well, that's awesome well well listen just just as conclusion there great observations, great conversation super excited to have you as a colleague in the space and kind of building stuff here so you know really just thank you so much for spending some time with us today and, and, and sharing your thoughts
1: thank you likewise